and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I am your host this week, the King of Kayfabe, David Hockney. And today here at ESSR, we're all one big happy family, but at the same time, we do have the odd... Uh, petty squabble or argument within each other but and that's what we're going to be talking about today we're going to be discussing wrestling family feuds so let's uh meet the family or in this case the panel uh up first uh supporting me in my hosting duties this week is the mvp kwaku Aji. what's up what's up what's up good to have you on board are you excited for another show I'm good. I'm actually glad I got a great welcome because last week I was called a prick. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you're a you're a fellow supporter of the green and white, so you're gonna get the best intros from me possible. There we go. Uh, and that's me and Stephen leaving. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Thank <laughs> fuck for that. You've not been introduced yet. Nobody knows you, okay? Right. Uh, up next, it's the most savage man on Scottish podcasts. It's Strack. Thanks, are, thanks for finally having me back after a long absence. Looks like you've got a bit of a, 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 a sore eye there. What's, I think uh, it's your that? fan, by the way, because it's killed me since I came in. Oh, well. That's well, hope, hope you get well soon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just sit here like a pirate. <laughs> you need to get your eye patch. All right. Uh, up next, uh, we've got... We actually have an actual family on the panel today. It's the... Well, we like to refer to them as the Gun Brothers. One's an ass man and one's just the other one. It's Ross and Scott McLeod. Guys, welcome. You're the other one, Scott. <laughs> I'm, not just, I'm not just the other one. I'm the one man who knocked out Steve Williams. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love how you can't be bothered to introduce us separately. We have to be looped together. Well, you're a family and we're on family feuds, so I thought, why not introduce a pair of you as well? I, I really liked that intro because I really did get the better half here. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, it's a man who has so many Becky Lynch posters over his bedroom. <laughs> it's uh, Mr. Watts at Boz himself, Mr. Stephen Wilson. She got screwed. Yeah, I think that's an understatement of the century, but uh, that's not what we're talking about. Don't come back from Strack. That was set up perfectly. That's too easy to swing it. Far too easy. We'll have to discuss that another time, but we've got a set uh, topic today, so we'll focus on that. Right, uh, if everybody's ready, let's play Family Feud. Here's the first question. Uh, name something that... Oh, sorry, I've got my notes mixed up. That's for the, uh, the game show family feuds. <laughs> uh, anyway. We call it family fortunes, David. Uh, in America, they call it family feuds. But you're not Where America. are we? Where what? are we? Where are we? Uh-huh. In the UK. So Uniondale! <laughs> yeah, but you forget I'm from Uniondale, New York, so that's... Uh, you got to give that into consideration, but yes. Uh, so from all of us here at Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, um, if, you wanna, if you're just new to the show, you can uh, listen in at uh, all good podcasting sites, including iTunes, Spotify, and all good Android sites. If you want to follow us on social media, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Suplex Retweet. If you like me here, give us a review, give us a rating, four or five stars preferably, but if you're uh, in Japan, give us six or seven stars. <laughs> Alright guys, um, let's kick off with uh, Family Feuds, and I think what better way to start off than with arguably one of the greatest wrestling families um, ever, let's say, uh, and in light of the late great Jimmy Anvil Neidhart, let's, uh, let's kick off with the Hart family, specifically a family feud between the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, Mr. Bret Hitman Hart, and his younger brother Owen. Now, this sort of feud started around Survivor Series 1993, where the Park Foundation was supposed to be taking on Jerry the King Lawler and his three knights. But obviously, Jerry Lawler got into some legal trouble, uh, so he was replaced with Shawn Michaels. 
So the match was going to be the Hearts versus Shawn Michaels and the Knights. The feud sort of kicked off when uh, Owen was Irish whipped into Brett, Brett got injured and Owen was the only one eliminated from a, from a quick roll-up, but all the other members of the Hart Foundation survived the match. And then after Owen was eliminated in the Hearts won, Owen came out furious, just screaming at Bret Hart and feeling he was getting preferred treatment and this sort of planted the seeds for what would be uh, one of the greatest uh, sibling rivalries in, in WWE. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys have seen the Survivor Series 93 episode, but how much uh, do you remember about the, the Bret-Owen feud? Uh, Strack, we'll start with you. I did actually know about Laura's legal deal, because I did actually see I went, why has Shawn Michaels got knights? <laughs> yeah, I just did it was like, why? It was a bit of a, a convoluted, uh, convoluted setup. It was a last minute sort of uh, change, change of plan, bringing Shawn Michaels in, but it was supposed to be Jerry the King Lawler, but he got into some um, some legal dispute. I think it was like a, I don't know, criminal charge or something, but uh, uh, allegedly, allegedly. Yes, let's not tell Strack what he get charged with. We don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> right. cool. we'll, tell, we'll tell you after the show. Uh, I remember vaguely because I, I did watch it as obviously like Shawn Michaels and the Knights. I was like, that's the worst band name ever. Yeah. And yeah. then it was, it was the, the it, other Hearts. You know, like, yeah, it was. Who these guys are. I've checked my notes. It is. Uh, it was Brett Owen, Bruce, and Keith. That was the, the team. Keith. Because that sounds like the best one. Especially if he leads. And the Knights were all just named in different colours, like Red Knight, Black Knight, and Blue Knight. But they were actually um, portrayed by Jeff Gaylord, Barry Horowitz, and WWE Hall of Famer Greg the Hammer Valentine. So yeah, it was quite in his career. It was a whole cavalcade of uh, people in this match as well, so it was a bit of a, an odd one. But yeah, um, Owen was eliminated uh, by a roll-up, all the other Hart members survived, and then Owen just lost it. Uh, Scott Ross, do you have any uh, any memories of this feud? Uh, I'm mostly from May 10 and SummerSlam, which I will obviously get to, but I really enjoy this feud because who can't identify uh, with the younger brother trying to step out from the shadow of the overbearing older brother. <laughs> yes. And then being forced to kick the older brother's leg out of his leg. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll not bring personal family squabbles being the number one son into this, but uh, what I do remember for this is uh, Keith and Bruce just looking utter shite. As <laughs> 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 the sort of like. We need, we need somebody who's friends with this person, but we've no, or we need somebody that's related to them, but we've no had MDLs on screen. Right, cool, we need to drag this person into the feud. It, it just brings it down. But I think it was a great starting point because it was a case of, oh, this family won, you know, we, we won as a family, but Owen didn't see it that way. Owen seen it as, I let the family down and, you know, why is it always Brett? Why is it never me? You know, a, a, a petty younger brother temper tantrum that we have all seen here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet <laughs> plenty of times. <laughs> uh, I could quite identify with how this kind of feud started, uh, especially in current times as we saw the greatest screw drop since Montreal this past Sunday at SummerSlam <laughs> with Charlotte winning the Women's Championship, but I will not digress. We're not talking about that, we're talking about the Brett versus Owen feud. Well, it, it had similar things of jealousy, there was a bit of that, there was a bit of frustration, you know, it kind of all felt, and this was kind of seeded, this was one of the first real examples of that we saw, uh, obviously, Everybody knew how good Brett was, and everybody knew Owen was good, but he never got that same spotlight because Brett was there all the time. So to eventually start seeing the seeds for this was great because we finally got to Owen finally started to get the recognition I think many people thought he deserved at that point because he was so underrated it was unreal. Uh, but well, as we go to talk about the, the WrestleMania ten match, it then became 
obviously one of the best WrestleMania matches of all time. So mm -hmm. it's a feud, one of the first best examples, but one that really hit the right notes all the time. Yeah. Well, that was just the, the catalyst for the starting point of the feud. There wasn't a full-blown turn. I think it was just Owen venting his frustrations. But his um, the full turn occurred actually at the, the following Royal Rumble, where they were in a tag title match against the Quebecers. And I think it was as a result of that, because they lost, Brett and Owen lost that match. That's when Owen... Uh, eventually turned on Brett, but it would be nearly five months uh, for the pair to actually face off for the championship, not including their WrestleMania 10 clash, which opened the show. And a, a lot of people would argue that that is the, the best opening WrestleMania match um, in in history, like among a few others. But for the, uh, I don't know if you guys uh, have any sort of memories of that WrestleMania 10 match, but any comments? Do you think it was like it lived up to the feud? It yes. shouldn't have been on first. It shouldn't have been on first. Well, the, the on. reason it was on first, obviously, is because Brett yeah, was fighting for the title in the main event, so they had to put him on first, obviously, to make it fair. But see, it probably doesn't merit being on first. Because right, he won the Royal Rumble that year as well, alongside Lex Luger. See, this is why I like having, and why I think it's important in current WWE, to have multiple contenders. Because because it was two number one contenders, and then because Brett got beat, it automatically opened a new storyline. Like, you had the option of, obviously, Yokozuna's rematch. You had the option of Lex Luger going, well, hold on a minute, I I get, I won my match, but I get, you know, Yokozuna got himself DQ'd. Owen's, you know, stepping up, I beat you at WrestleMania. And it, it opens up so much, obviously, we went with the family food option, but it opens up so much more possibilities. And I think, as much as it's one of, the, probably the best match on the card, it opened and I think made sense for the simple fact that it would be the main match, well, not the main event, but it would be the main match at SummerSlam 94. So to bring it back to where we were talking about the other members of the Hart family, I remember hearing the story of, uh, it wasn't maybe Owen that feuded with Brett, because Vince proposed an idea of Brett feuding with one of his family members to kind of appease Brett, because ever since losing the title in scary fashion at Mania 9 and not getting that match with Hogan that he was supposed to, Brett was coming increasingly unhappy, but Vince's big idea was to have it, him and Bruce and if anyone's ever seen Bruce Hart, you can tell they made the right choice by saying nope. <laughs> you talk about hindsight so much in wrestling. Could you yeah. imagine if they went with Bruce? Yeah, well, um, going away some, from WrestleMania, uh, there was actually, you know, Ross brought it up, there was a lot of different uh, angles and storylines heading into their SummerSlam bout, which was, of course, the famous cage match for the WWE, WWF title. Because between then and Summer, between WrestleMania and SummerSlam, uh, Brett would focus uh, on a on a feud with Diesel because he was just coming up through the ranks and then but that was the same year that Owen he won the um, the King of the Ring tournament defeating Razor Ramon in the final dubbing himself as the King of Hearts so I think it only made sense that these two clashed with each other again at that year's SummerSlam like and not only was just those two inside the cage for the title the entire Hart family including the late great Jim the Anvil and the British Bulldog uh, were all at ringside and I Brett won that match, uh, but then it sort of, sort of descended into chaos after that. It basically turned into a Jerry Springer show. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Oh, we'll um, we'll bring an example of that later on I'd, in the show. I'd, I'd watch Jerry Springer if they had a cage. And... <laughs> but uh, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of prefer the Mania Ten match to the Steel Cage, even though the Steel Cage is one of the only like handful of like five star matches the three have ever had. But yeah, I think it was good that they brought the family into it, and this may be a hindsight, but I don't think when you look at it, I don't think that anybody else from a storyline's perspective should have won the King of the Ring other than Owen, because Brett had won it this whole year, and this is the whole thing of proving he's better than Brett. 
Yeah, I, I agree with Scott. I think it is the the better uh, the better match is the WrestleMania one. I think the reason this is given five stars is the emotion gone into it and the fact that all the family members are there and it's like it's dividing the family. You know, I think there was like was it no uh, Helen, his mother was not not like trying to calm him down and all that. And you know, uh, it was. Just, it was like a family wedding, wasn't it? Like, just <laughs> leave him, leave him, Barry. It's no worth it. <laughs> Barry? Is Barry your go-to name? Yes. Stephen, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, same as one of these two is better, it's like really hard, because it's like comparing like each of the Gargano Champa matches are all equally good, they're all fantastic. It's like literally choosing between your children, isn't it? Well, I don't have children, so I don't really know that example name. <laughs> Not that you know of. Oh. Was that an O? Oh? That, that shows he's a shaggle. <laughs> Which we know is not true. And if you know it's it But yeah. Oh, that's a nice shade of red. I wonder if my was. It doesn't go with your interiors, Red Strip. But yeah, but yeah, fan- it was a great ma- Both were great matches. It was, it was really hard to separate them. But I think it was, as Ross said, the emotion which gave us the five stars mm-hmm. over the other ones. Yeah. But it also doesn't have a clue anyway. So yeah, I think there's going to be an underlying feud of this whole family feud. You know, having to choose between two siblings, or it just creates general family dissension. Uh, and I think that's kind of what's going to be the the sort of theme going forward. But moving from one great wrestling family to another, we're going from Canada down to Mexico, where we're talking about Los Guerreros. More specifically, uh, Eddie versus Chavo. Now these two sort of started their feud in WCW, where Eddie was trying to get Chavo to adopt his cheating tactics to win. You know, the whole lie, cheat and steal mantra. But Chavo, with a, with a surprisingly uh, good moral code, he said, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do things my way. So it was, um, and then after that, uh, Eddie suplexed Chavo to sort of teach him a lesson, you know, so it was like a um, tough love approach kind of way. And then um, they had a couple of matches on WCW Thunder where, um, well, the first encounter was Eddie defeated Chavo and then he was forced to become his slave. But they also had another one at, uh, a few other ones at Uncensored and at Slamboree. Do any of you guys know sort of these matches? No. No, I, no, I remember, I vaguely remember some of the Eddie-Chavo matches, but this was, what now? Yeah, this sort of almost twenty years ago. <laughs> I do love how you talk about how Chad was so adamant against being the whole light and steel gimmick, and then a few years later in WWE, they're both embracing it. Was this I love how quickly they forget things? I'm trying to remember exactly. Was this around about the time that of the Latino World Order? Uh, no, I think it was just before that. After the Latino, Latino World, World Order was two thousand. Yeah, this was just before that. This was like ninety eight, ninety nine. Mm. No, two thousand they left. Mm. Well, basically their feud in, in WCW culminated uh, with a hair versus hair match at Slamboree, uh, no, sorry, not Slamboree, it was... Um, Bash at the Beach. Yeah, Bash at the Beach, that was it. And Eddie obviously won, but then Chavo ended up um, going a little crazy, and he actually ended up shaving off his own hair. So... That makes you think, you know, did the whole... I remember that now, sorry, I didn't remember that. <laughs> so that was a light bulb moment. What I liked about this feud was that um, I think it was the tough love approach from Eddie, you know, trying to get uh, get him to do, get Chavo to do things his way. I think that sort of drove him to insanity a bit. Do you think that would... Uh, I think in this day and age, you know, we have to be sort of more focused on mental health. Do you think back in the day that was a good angle to go with? Uh, hold on, hold on. We, we had a few years ago in NXT where uh, Marcus Louis got his hair shaved. Or I say shaved, so he got some 
questionable cream thrown on top of his head. Back at NXT takeover. <laughs> Strack no. I see his eyes right up there. You know what I'm talking about. You, you watch you watch on NXT. It was all it was all Enzo. Enzo put on his legs. You're not helping fashions. <laughs> no, I the the fashion at the beach match, I actually just remembered that I I think that's amazing. I think after I I don't think it's I think it's someone snapping, which I don't think was taking it too far. It wasn't like calling AJ Lee a psychopath mm. and all that on live TV. It was just like someone snapping under pressure. But it's not like you're calling them out for being No no no. Safe. It was just like and it was trying to like scare Eddie because he was shouting like, We can be twins, you shave your head as well. Yeah. We'll be twins, we'll be twins. <laughs> But I, oops, sorry, are we moving on from me? No, no, keep, no, keep, no. Going, keep going. <laughs> no, no, you've made your choice. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but yeah. So, like I say, I don't have much recollection of the WCW feud. I more so remember their feud when it came to WWE because I had the uh, the Royal Rumble 2004 on DVD, so I remember that match in the promo package that told you, everything, told you everything about the feud. Yeah, that was their WWE feud. They sort of, yeah. um, it's their WWE feud uh, was. Um, uh, stemmed from them losing the tag titles and they yeah. had uh, a match at the Royal Rumble 2004. Yeah. Strack, do you remember that match? Uh, 2004, I kind of fell away for wrestling, so I'd, I'd seen vaguely things that um, Eddie against Chavo and I kind of looked and went, wait a minute, it's not been done. And I realised that IWCW's already done this, but mm-hmm. um, that was the good thing I was got to say about the Bret Hart and same with Eddie. See, because they were trained the same style, trained together and they knew each other so well, the matches were always tend to be solid because there was no hiccups because they knew each other what they were going to do and if, if, I, if I make a mistake he knows how to recover me if I do the same with him so it's, that was a good thing about things like that yeah uh, quite, sorry Ross you want to say something? yeah just uh, building on for that it was on Eddie Guerrero's documentary talked about him and Chavo they would do the popcorn matches or they would do matches at intermission uh, in their local like uh, their family's local run shows so they've been literally they've been literally wrestling each other since one was 15 and one was 18 Mm. Okay. And uh, the payback essentially it stems from when they lost the titles, Chavo essentially blames Eddie and feels like he was him carrying the, the team and then he brings his father, uh, Chavo Classic, and, and they have a, they had a really good dynamic I remember uh, when he was playing Chavo's manager, it was always him being the butt of jokes, like, especially when Chavo went on to feud with Jacqueline. Yes. Uh, yeah, Quacky, you're going to say something? Yeah, well, of this feud, it was right about the time that I like I was breaking on and off from wrestling and so on and it was basically before 20, Wrestlemania 21 which still remains one of my favourite Wrestlemania's and the thing I remember particularly was obviously the whole Los Guerreros and I cheated steel and we're not here to fix your pool we're here to clean your pool it was another <laughs> way around Is that, um, could that be conceived as racial stereotyping? Yes. 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 Let's yes. not beat around the bush. Yes. yes. Um, but it's a whole WWE thing of, oh, because they've said that it's all right. So, <laughs> anyway, um, but also I remember the thing of, it was Chavo aligned himself with his father, Chavo Senior, and it became like the kind of trifecta of the Guerreros uh, all having a feud. I don't know, looking back on it now, I don't know how much Chavo Senior brought into it. Maybe it just brought into the more personal aspect of it, mm-hmm. the Guerrero. Yeah, because he was essentially just a manager for Chavo, wasn't he? It, it was interesting, the fact that uh, this was kind of Eddie's last feud before he went into became the world champion, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting they went with this as the prelude, but I, the one thing I always remembered about it was um, how 
brutal kind of a breakup it was. I think they were having a ta- was it a tag team championship match, and then Chavo just like walked out and just sat at the ringside next to the announce table and just yeah. watched these watched Eddie get beat right. up. I thought it was quite it was quite it was interesting how they went. As opposed, they didn't really attack him, but he just kind of watched them get beat up. Aye, because it, yeah. it was the Bastion brothers being up, and he looked like Chavo was going to get a chair to help him, and they just pulled the chair and just sat there, and like the commentators are yelling at Chavo, it will help Eddie. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame though, because they were part of the original SmackDown Six, and yeah. that was like one of the big talking points of SmackDown. You know, SmackDown Six that you fought with on Raw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to hear it on that episode, uh, uh, that amongst others, you know, we have a back catalogue as big as Quacko's cable package. Um, so if you want to, listen, he's highlighting your cable package. Hey, Shop. <laughs> yeah, he's cut. Hey, what's it called? Over here, said it before. Why am I getting? Uh, if you want documentary evidence of that listen to our back catalogue on all good uh, podcasting sites including iTunes, Spotify and all good Android sites uh, or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Suplex Retweet we're also on Facebook uh, but yeah going back to Eddie and Chavo uh, momentarily um, specifically to their WCW feud uh, I sort of wanted to take more um sort of a better look at uh, the breakdown of Chavo's uh, mental health as the sort of fueling point for that feud. Uh, just um, just had a day, bit of a dig around and some of the crazy behaviour it was adopting, it was um, uh, the psychotic behaviour, he was actually, uh, this is quite a, a weird fact, he was fixated on a hobby horse he just called uh, Pepe. <laughs> is, that I, where, is that where Vince got the idea for Moppy? Uh, possibly, I, I'm not too sure. But... Um, yeah, another result of that insanity was his. Uh, I know. I think you, Ross, you brought up uh, the Latino World Order. Is the fact uh, Chavo's insanity? It was. Um, I think Eddie was reluctant to let him join. So and obviously it was a takeoff of the NWO. So and it nearly included every Latino wrestler in WCW at the time, but Chavo was the only exception. Yeah, pigeonholed everybody. He just yeah pigeonholed everybody. Um, just uh, what we've got about time. Do Strack? Do you remember anything about the Latino World Order and? I've well, got to say, I remember the whole hobby horse thing because the game for the PlayStation 1, WCW Thunder, came out mm-hmm. and they used to just play like a clip of their entrance, slim walking down the ramp, and every clip, if you face Chavo, was him coming down the hobby horse, and you're like, what? Why? <laughs> I don't get this. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of sad that that's how he'd be remembered in that game. Mm-hmm. They just came out this year, maybe gave him just a generic entrance, because obviously that storyline's going to fade. If you played the game for maybe a year, maybe two years, you're still just going to get Chavo coming down with a hobby horse. Yeah, Ross? No, uh, I was thinking about the mental health thing again, sorry, just to bring it back Yeah, to that's that. alright. I don't think it's, I don't think it was offensive, I think it is just, it's, obviously the Pepe, the calling a horse Pepe is a bit weird, but it's more like, obviously we've seen it before where people who have suffered mental illnesses if they're getting into new relationships or friendships sometimes they don't take like compliments or or jokes the way they're perceived I think that was like that was breaking down Chavo's psyche I have no comments on the WCW Thunder game like Strack does <laughs> but I just remember that game including everybody so I think if, if MD's got a copy Pepe was probably in that game <laughs> uh, Stephen? Uh, Latino World Order I think I remember kind of was it not like Eddie was really good in this, that role as the Latino World Order leader. I can't really remember the, ex- the exact detail of it, but no, it was a, it was better than the Blue World Order. <laughs> oh god, don't get me started on the Blue World Order. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, apparently it was stupid, but uh, oh yeah, Strakis Perry's uh, knocking into stuff. <laughs> but yeah, um, 
No, don't get me started on Blue World Order, but, you know, it was a stupid gimmick that got over and people liked it, so, but that's for another day. Uh, but yeah, moving from uh, the Guerreros now, we're now moving on to a team who's had uh, a quarter century of tag team wonderfulness. Oh my <laughs> we're moving on to the Hardy Boys, uh, Matt and Jeff. Now they've had a, they had, so, you know, they've been, they've spent their most of their wrestling days as a tag team, but they have had the the odd feud here and there. Uh, one starting in two thousand and one, and then we had another one in two thousand and nine. So it was quite a quite a span between feuds. Not to mention as well. That was just their WWE ones as well, but they obviously had their, their TNA feud, which led to quite a, an interesting <laughs> finale, shall we say, and we'll discuss that uh, a bit later on. But uh, going back to their first uh, first WWE feud from 2001, it was um, it sort of stemmed when the Hardy Boys lost a cage match to the Dudley Boys for the tag team titles. Uh, Matt was already out the cage, because uh, for tag team cage matches, both members have to escape. Jeff was on the verge of climbing out, he was on top, but then he decided to do a swanton, he missed, and as a result they lost, and as and then Matt turned. Uh, do we, um, what did you think of that feud that, um, uh, yeah, Ross, you get something? The 2001 feud, so, I, I occasionally used to beat the shit out of Scott, because <laughs> I, I was the bigger one, so, uh, Clearly. there was a, <laughs> oh, that <bad> joke. <laughs> oh, okay, Meltzer. <laughs> oh, whoa, 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 whoa. That's coming for the guy who heard four heads were in fashion, so he started growing one. <laughs> no. So, I, me and Scott used to wrestle when we were younger, and if my dad caught us wrestling, it would be like, no, nope, it's banned, it's banned. So, I came back, I missed the this entire feud. I got allowed to watch the 2002 Royal Rumble, where they just randomly reunite, and you hear the commentators, Team Extreme are back! The last show I watched was Survivor Series, I didn't know they'd left. <laughs> I didn't know, I, it was like two years later, I seen a copy of Vengeance in a video store, and it was like, Lita's special guest referee, Matt versus Jeff Hardy, you're like, when did this happen? <laughs> yeah, it was just a one-off random feud. Yeah, it was weird, because they, like, they were feuding for a couple of months, and then the minute Brock Lesnar came, they were just like, they were just fed to Lesnar. Yeah. I remember Matt was seen as the, the heel in this feud, Really, it was ears in the right. Jeff did kind of cost him. He didn't have to do. He just did it because he wanted to. And I remember Jeff in an interview saying part of the feud was maybe they were going to incorporate Matt and Lita's relationship, where Jeff was going to try and kiss Lita, and Jeff like refused. He said that was one of the first times I ever actually said no to the people at the office because usually he'd be up for anything. He's like, I'm sorry, I can't do it. My brother's real life girlfriend. I'm not going to do it. And Edge stepped in. (laughs) (laughs) Don't bring Edge up, but yeah. It was. They, I think they just had one match, and that was the one where Lita was yeah. the special ref. Jeff won it, and then, sort of January two thousand two, Jeff competed more regularly on Monday Night Raw, while Matt was demoted to uh, Sunday Night Heat all the time. But um, that's when sort of Matt sort of debuted his uh, version one gimmick, and then he moved to SmackDown before Jeff got released. But they um, they didn't pick up their feud again. Uh, the next time they feuded, rather, was in two thousand and nine, where Jeff uh, lost the WWE title due to Matt hitting him with a chair. Uh, do we remember that? Because that wasn't. Uh, I think that might still be fresh in the memory. Yeah, um, Ross. Yeah, it was a bit odd because we asked Strike not to bring up Edge, but you know the, <laughs> the murky history with Matt and Edge, and we'll leave it at that. It helps Matt win the title. How much do you hate your own brother? You go. Well, I mean, you are my blood, and he did pump my missus, but <laughs> you're really pissing me off. One hell, what a really good chair shot as well. And oh, I, I can't remember why he turned on him. Why, what, was, what was his reasoning again? It was to do with jealousy, I think, because um, 
the last pay per view was Armageddon 2008. That's when Jeff won the WWE title for the first yeah. time. Matt was ECW champion though, so technically they were both world champions. But technically, yeah, technically, <laughs> yeah. But you know, Matt always felt that Jeff was always in the spotlight. He was always the more popular brother, and I think it just stemmed from jealousy. Because do you remember any of these sort of incidents that took place, yeah. like starting around Survivor Series? Yeah, with Scott. Sorry, cause I remember how we talked about the other two feuds, like the one one, like. Oh, it's they can't just have it simply be jealousy, Matt. Cause they had to go. They always had to go that extra bit far. Like first, there's the sterile thing. Fair enough. Then he tries to blow him up with pyro, and then literally they use the fact that his house, Jeffrey's house, in real life burnt down, and his dog did die. Yeah, because I hit and run as well. This sounds Dracula. This sounds like all Kate things Kate would do. Yeah. <laughs> Burn things, eat your dog. See, that's the thing, I kind of stepped out of, I say I stepped out of wrestling for a wee while until I started to watch that again and I do remember the 2001 feud more better and it was kind of a weird thing because it was just, I say I remember the match but it was against the Dudleys and the Dudleys, because they were tag team champions, when all the WCW and ECW guys got fired, MD had their title, still had their job, which I thought was a good way to make it Dudleys be able to stay. But, um, I kind of, I seen the feud going to happen and I thought, this is going to be really boring. <laughs> because they've not got a style you look at and you go, putting the two together could be a really good like, offence against each other. You're like, Jeff's pretty much just going to fling yourself at Matt constantly. Uh, Stephen? Yeah, one of the, the weirdest thing I found about the feud was, they had that, and then about two months later, Matt turned face again. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes you think, what's the point? I think it's because Jeff was on his way out, they wanted to reconcile before Jeff left. Yeah, but... It, it just was. It just felt stupid to me. <laughs> Ross, surely if Jeff was on his way out, you should keep Matt heel, and you let Matt get him out of the company because Vince McMahon, is well documented, does love Jeff Hardy. Thinks he's a a good mark- marketable uh, guy. You know, obviously, shit ton of merch to be sold as well. But you knew Jeff would always come back, so keep Matt as heel. Have him beat Jeff at the company and say to Jeff, "Look, obviously Jeff has had his personal issues." Get yourself sorted, and when you come back, there's a feud here waiting for you. If you get yourself clean, and you've also got a, you've also got a top level heel, mm. like waiting in the wings for Jeff to come back and feud with. Can I just go? Yeah. Can I just go back about this WrestleMania 25 match. There, it's an extreme rules match. That's right. Yeah. Suits the Hardys, but there were two notable spots, and as I always remember, is there's a stupid spot where Jeff sets two tables up, but sets Matt on the first table, so he puts himself through a table to then get to Matt. So it was like a, a sandwich table, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Sandwich table. Not spot, thinking. Yeah. And obviously the spot that helped Matt win where he put him his head between the chair and then hit the twist of fate, which looked That brutal. looked painful. I remember the first time I saw it, I thought, how is he not dead? <laughs> was that a spot with a Hoover? I think so. No, I don't think so. I think that was Jeff Jarrett and the whole section no, no, of Miss Kitty sorry, thing. No, no, it was. It was Jeff Hardy versus The Undertaker in Smackdown, where he beats The Undertaker via Hoover shot. He throws, <laughs> he throws a Henry the Hoover at Undertaker. Does he actually? <laughs> yes. I did not know this. But you know, Scott, you brought up the pyro incident as well. Yeah. I legit thought that was a, a botch. Yeah, I think it was well done, because it could have obviously been, and they made it look like it was, and they had everything stop. Yeah. Like, but even Edge, who was the heel gone, he, even he looked concerned about it, so that's hmm. gave it the added realism. Yeah. Well, Matt obviously won the WrestleMania 25 match, but then he also won a stretcher match on SmackDown, so they continued their feud up to Backlash 2009. So Matt was already 2-0 up at this stage. Yeah. Although if you include the, the Vengeance 2001 fallout, it's, it was technically 2-1. Uh, but then they had a match at Backlash. It was an I Quit match. And I think that's one of my favourite matches, actually. One of the really sort of underrated ones. Uh, do you guys remember anything about that match, uh, Strack? I'd say uh, the, the feud did in 2009, I kind of I missed it. I, I say I've seen things for the Great Vine, I was like, again. 
Really? Nah. <laughs> yeah, Scott, yeah. yeah I, I do remember it was quite an event finish where he strapped Matt to the chair and since I did like the scene with Batista off the car, he threatened to like jump off him the one through the table and that's when I mean, Matt eventually apologised and begged him not to do it, but he did it anyway. Yeah, I think there was echoes of that between Gargano and Ciampa at yeah. the last takeover, so makes me wonder if they all have an eye-quit match at some point. Anyway. They've had all the other takes of matches so far. <laughs> uh, Ross? Yeah, I like Strack, I'd stepped away uh, I'd stepped away like early, uh, sorry, early 2008 and I, I wasn't back in it. I have went back and watched it but the, the one thing I will say about this feud, obviously the 2001 feud wasn't enough done with it and then the 2009 feud, it was meant to be Christian, it was meant to be Christian Jack Hardy mm-hmm. and I, I can't help, now that I know that, I can't help watch these matches with a bit of, this would have been better if it was Christian versus uh, Jeff Hardy because it felt forced. Stephen? Uh, yeah, Ross pretty much spot on. Uh, I think it's some the stuff didn't really take off in WWE. Obviously, the be- I thought the, we'll probably quickly talk about the best stuff was in TNA by a mile as a feud. Yeah, uh, the stuff in TNA it was. Um, I think that's their Matt's hatred for Jeff sort of carried forward to TNA, and they had a, a few matches there. But that's also what spurred uh, Matt's. Wonderful broken gimmick as well. So they. Yes, you made a botch before we started this feud. You said their first feud was in 2001. But au contraire, compare. They've been feuding for millennials across <laughs> space and time. Yeah. yeah memorable feuds in Omega as Scorpion or whatever the gimmicks they were coming up with at the time. I stand corrected on that, but yeah. They were, um, were in multiple masks, so they could have like 20 different gimmicks. Yeah, <laughs> so they. are broken. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we've annoyed Ross so much we've broken him. But yeah, they, um, it, obviously TNA, they had matches in Full Metal Mayhem, Six Sides of Steel. Uh, but as we go into a short break, there was one particular match they had in TNA which um, was widely popular across the internet and across the wrestling community, and that's what we're going to include uh, in this break. So we know it as the final deletion. So here's a, a clip from that, and we'll be back with you in a couple of minutes. Enjoy. This is bad boy Liam Thompson, and you're listening to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. My gift is too enormous to be confined by a material possession. My gift to King Maxwell, who will one day be the heir to the haughty name, to the haughty throne, is I am going to expunge the evil enigma from my family tree forever. I am going to restore honor to the haughty name. That is why I have invited all of you here, because these events must be documented. Please, light this candle, my beautiful wife. This candle will burn for eternity, representing you. And it will only be extinguished when Brother Nero has truly been deleted. So today, at sunset, the final deletion takes place. Senior Benjamin, prepare the battlefield for massacre. What the hell is going on? Brother Nero! Brother Nero! Brother Nero! I see you've met my fleet of aerial assault robots. You are now speaking to Vanguard One. Tonight, I command you 
to meet me at the property line. Tonight is our final battle. And we determine who owns the rights to the Hardy name. Who controls the Hardy brand. Who is the sole proprietor of the Hardy empire. Everything ends tonight. The last dance in Cameron. The final deletion. Game of cat and mouse, so naive. Brother Nero is not the only landscaper in the family. Senor Benjamin, this is the remaining gasoline from our earlier landscaping escapades. Please, apply generously to the battlegrounds. It takes a lot of fuel to delete a Brother Nero. Okay, Mr. Hardy. Dusk is approaching. The final deletion is upon us. Come, Rebecca. We must go. What is this? You are the man I saw in my premonition. Are you a licensed official? I am. You have one job tonight. Either count the pinfall or record the submission. When it's over, under no circumstances do you resuscitate Brother Nero. Because he must be deleted. And now, I must summon the evil enigma by playing this lovely violin that I was personally given by my dear friend, Antonio Stradivari. Brother Nero, I knew you'd come. This match we're about to have will be your true Armageddon. Prepare for your deletion. Suplex Retweet. I'm your host this week, David Hockney, and I am joined by Kwaku Strack, the McLeod Brothers, and Stephen Wilson. Uh, today we're discussing family feuds within wrestling. Uh, what you just heard there was the infamous final deletion between the Hardy Boys uh, from their TNA feud. Uh, but we've uh, also shout out to uh, Bad Boy Liam Thompson for that uh, wonderful soundbite. Um, but yeah, continuing on the subject of Family Feud, we ask you, the ESSR listeners, to uh, throw in some suggestions of what you thought was the best wrestling feud. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, comments to go through, so I'll just do that. Uh, Andrew Lamont says Brett versus Owen as well was a good one. Ben Williams says Nikki versus Bree. Yeah, good choice. We'll, uh, we'll discuss that a bit later on. 
Uh, Carlton Battlebury says uh, Matt versus Jeff, also good. Mike Thornton also says Brett versus Owen. David Kinnear, Brett versus Owen. I'm, I'm, I'm sensing a trend here. Uh, Stephen Blair says, um, I might get slated for this, but I really enjoyed the Devon against Bully Ray in TNA. I think that was just before the the Aces and Eights uh, yeah. angle as well. Uh, Louise Westy says the whole Shane McMahon and the corporate ministry story. Yeah, we've got a, a McMahon feud coming up, so stay tuned for that. Billy Strachan from Scottish Wrestling Network says Edge versus Christian was underrated. So, I mean, Edge and Christian were brothers in real life, but obviously being, me being the king of kayfabe, we have to, um, I'll treat them as brothers on that one. Uh, Stephen Blair sent a, sent a picture in of um, the TNA wrestlers against the TNA knockouts or actually on the Game Show Family Feud <laughs> with Steve Harvey, I think. I, I haven't seen that at all. Um, Derek Kernahan says, <laughs> What about the time Stephen Wilson turned up to Gary's house for WrestleMania with biscuits and not Haribo's? Hashtag <laughs> Stevenson Family Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she turned up with biscuits? Yeah. No, no, he turned up with a pack of McVitie's bites and hey, a pack of Oreos. Can, can I clarify that I did not turn up? It was in my house. They turned <laughs> up with nothing of their own. You're yeah. host. Right, uh, I meant to come with something. Right, we've got more listeners, so. Let's keep going, okay? John McFarlane says the Hart family feud can remember the time as Owen Hart being a breakout star with his matches. So that's a good one. Sean Smith says Hart family in the mid-90s. Uh, Mark Leslie says the Hollies. Uh, at Mr. Paddy X says the Hart family in the mid-90s as well. So yeah, I think there's a lot of people saying the Hart families as well. Um, and also Craig Gordon from Scott Rest Report says the Heenan family split was his favourite. So it uh, adds a bit of an angle to it. Uh, but one feud in particular that a couple of people have mentioned, uh, Sean Smith uh, says Undertaker and Kane was a really good feud. And Scott, I see your face just lit up there. You're just chomping at the bit. Would yep. you like to discuss the Undertaker Kane feud? Yes, this is the, the backstory to Undertaker Kane is just pretty on that line of over the top and just it's kind of like a soap opera storyline. This backstory, but I look at it like what what brother, what older brother hasn't tried to set the old your younger brother on fire? Isn't that like this? <laughs> I will not implicate myself on the air, thank you very much. That, that, that 12 puff to go out of hand. Did you have 12 candles and one big candle on yourself? <laughs> I like the candles with propane. <laughs> uh, Ross is uh, being his uh, uh, brother of a cane supporter, what did you think of this? Uh, well, I didn't know about this till later on in wrestling. Uh, I never knew they fought when I first came into wrestling. Uh, in fact, I didn't know they fought because when I first came into wrestling, the first memory I came was this guy coming down to the ring to save Undertaker for Chris Benoit, and he choke slams Undertaker through the ring. So when I first came into wrestling, they were like, actually feuding. Their SummerSlam 2000 feud, you know, were near their best feud, but you know. But I've always. I think it's maybe just because Scott likes him, but I've always preferred Kane to The Undertaker just because I think oh. he's... Not, but I came in and it was American Badass Undertaker. As cool as it is to go back and watch the motorcycle and the Limp biscuit and the Kid Rock entrances, 2000 to 2003, Kane was more interesting. And that's when I watched and I've always preferred Kane. And the star- sorry. Sorry. sorry, Scott, yeah, no, on you go. Sorry, I did want to mention also the start of the feud with Kane's debut and that one of the best debuts of all time with Vince Man's over-the-top commentary if that's got a big cane and he rips the cell door and he just tombstones the Undertaker and just the story of Undertaker not wanting to fight his, old, his younger brother then being basically forced to when Kane sets him on fire at the Rumble. Yeah, uh, Strat, yeah. I, I, I remember watching that, I would say I'm the, like the old man of the group, I remember watching that live and I'll be honest, my uncensored exact words when Kane turned up 
I ripped the cage off. I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and he stood in front of Because Undertaker's usually tall, apart from Diesel, was like the biggest guy in. And Kane stood in front of him and he was about maybe an inch bigger and mere bolt. And you thought, oh, run, son. Just run. Just <laughs> run away and you might live for a couple of hours. But um, they go to that show with the... the the build-up to the WrestleMania, I think, is probably one of the best build-up feuds in a Rest, long, long time. WrestleMania 14? Aye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, the, uh, I loved Taker's return just before that, when he was, when they bumped, hit, the, hit it with the lightning, hit the casket. And he set the casket with yeah. inside the light. Mm-hmm. That was funny. Aye, oh, it was good. Ross? Sorry, I didn't know we come back to me. I, I kind of <laughs> saved my piece about it now, but uh, the debut is, like, Strack says, you know, Undertaker was the biggest guy other than Diesel at the time, so he seen it live and it was like, what the fuck is that? Going back and watching it, it's still a great debut, but I think it's sort of, it would have been one to see live. It's one of the greats I didn't watch wrestling sooner, because that would have been such a good one to watch live. I mean, it was, it's the point when Kane came in, and he obviously, he came into the WrestleMania, the Royal Rumble, Shawn Michaels and DX and the Lost Barry Quiz and all that, everybody's beating up Undertaker. Kane comes in, saves him, and you thought, Oh wait a minute, this is this is no good. I feel then it's quite a tag team. And then Kane sets about Undertaker, puts him in a casket and sets a light, and then for then until WrestleMania, Kane ripped through I mean he double chokeslammed the Hardys, he chokeslammed Mankind through a table, he hurt Vader with a bendy wrench. <laughs> we all saw it, it bent. But he, he ripped through everybody, gone up to WrestleMania through he thought, what is going to possibly stop him? And then Undertaker started slowly Inkling he's got to come back, and he thought, This is this is amazing, but I can't wait for this. Yeah, a big problem though with this, it's as good as the WrestleMania 14 match was when you had that, they had the, the match at Unforgiven, the Inferno match, and then Kane lost that again. And then, we won, even though he won the title, he kind of won it by flick and then lost immediately. So, as much as much money is coming in, you know, Undertaker kind of had to win this feud, so it kind of did leave Kane in a weird place coming out of it. Quacker, yeah, my first kind of exposure to this whole feud was their Inferno match. Now, when I say this, I swear I wasn't psychotic when I was younger. I still am not. But I just remember we'll seeing... We'll be the judge of that. I remember just seeing Kane's handle fire and him flapping around the, the hand trying to put out. And I just thought, see, when they say it until the first person gets on fire, I was expecting more than a harm. That's all I was thinking. <laughs> but I swear I wasn't a psycho back then. I still am See, when I seen that, they caught fire and he was waving his horn. Mm-hmm. The sick part of me went, ha, flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, so tracks back. Yeah, if you didn't know the origin story of the Undertaker feud, it was um, Undertaker burnt down the funeral home where they were both staying at, and Kane was left both physically and emotionally scarred from that, so he was caught the the burns. But as Ross said on the WrestleMania review show, he continued to wrestle for over twenty years, so fair play to him for doing so. Exactly. Um, like a melted lollipop. <laughs> Kane's an inspiration to everyone. Don't let your past define you. Don't let anything hold you down. You can do anything. Look at Kane. He's a man now. <laughs> Kane is the Kane is the real American dream. Don't don't the American dream, Glenn Jacobs. Yeah. I loved actually. I saw a meme saying um, what the opposition to Kane could have had on his poster. Could have listed everything he's done, like he set his brother on fire. He's done this. Somebody put a thing up like that. Why was it? Uh, on the same vein as that. Why was this not Glenn Jacobs' opponent's uh, campaign video? And it was the the anger management skit, <laughs> where Kane lists everything he does. He goes, 
and he just lists everything, and then it's the bit at the end where he just goes, and I have an unhealthy obsession with torturing Pete Rose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, going to sort of their next WrestleMania match, WrestleMania 20, it was their 2004 feud after Kane buried The Undertaker alive. As you and, do. <laughs> as you do, yeah. And then Undertaker made his epic return. Uh, how was that? How was that match? Uh, how was that match's uh, sort of payoff uh, dependent on that feud? Uh, Scott, I'll start with you. I think by comparison, this is. I think the Mania 14 match was slightly better, though I do remember being terrified because the first time I watched the Visit Mania 20 video, when I didn't realise realize that you hear Paul Bear's voice as lights go, so I, I looked away and Ross remembers this as well. He had a similar experience. When you suddenly just hear that streaking voice all the time, you kind of shit yourself a bit. Strat, <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that 2004 match at WrestleMania 20? Um, I, I did remember, I watched, I, I think I bought the, DV, the, the VHS or like HMV. Um, it was like, five pound and I remember watching it and because I, I said at that time I kind of stepped out of wrestling I'm looking going that's Kane why does he get his mask off why is he bald and then the Undertaker came back as the way he was and he's like oh he buried the Undertaker at a Bride Alive match I'm like has Undertaker actually ever won a Bride Alive match no but he keeps challenging people I think he has actually but yeah. it was a tag team one uh, he, he him and Big Show beat The Rock and Mankind yeah. but it was only because Triple H was feeling with The Rock he threw them into the grave so Undertaker's never literally thrown So he needs out. honours, basically. Right, basically. Yeah. Right. Uh, Stephen, do you remember their WrestleMania 20, 20 encounter? Oh, the, the build-up was brilliant. I thought it was so well done, it was it was unreal. The whole... You never... It was good that... Kind of good that you never saw, saw take until Mania, because it helped bring it like that. Is he coming back as the dead man? Is he coming... Is he going to be American badass again, you know? It just helped the intrigue. The match wasn't as good as the one at WrestleMania 14, but the build-up was mm-hmm. equally as epic. Mm-hmm. I think it's it was like a, a prequel to this year's John Cena match, where Taker never showed up to WrestleMania and then won in a squash. This was a to me an extended squash because the match goes about six seven minutes, but a lot of it is just Kane going, "You're not real, you're not real," you know, like slowly walking towards the Undertaker and Undertaker standing his ground. The build up was good, but I felt the match was a bit of a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Well. Um, Kane is actually quoted on WWE.com as having said, uh, to this day the highlight of my career is my match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania 14. So I think that's, you heard it from the Big Red Machine himself, I think, you know, the whole Kane's debut leading up to that match, definitely the, one of the best of their feuds. Uh, but obviously, um, there, there was one other sort of feud they had, it was in 2010 where Kane was World Heavyweight Champion and he won it after cashing in Money in the Bank. Undertaker made his return at SummerSlam, but then they had a series of matches over the World Heavyweight Championship. Do you guys uh, remember that feud at all, Ross? As Scott was saying, uh, Kane, obviously Undertaker had to win the first feud. He is the established star. He's got the WrestleMania streak, well, had it. And it left Kane in sort of a weird state of limbo. I think that's did the same with Undertaker, because they were talking about how, I, I read reports online, Kane's promo when Undertaker was in the vegetative state air quotes there, <laughs> uh, was going to lead to him getting a bigger push and then he got the world title match. I think it would have been more effective because I think it's lazy booking just gone, it was Kane. Because everyone's gone, ah, it's Kane. You could have had someone else beat Kane for the world title and then when they've won the title, Undertaker comes out and says, actually it was him, it wasn't Kane. But this this feud left Undertaker in sort of a, like, a state of limbo as well because he lost three matches in a row and then again, Strack says he never wins a buried alive match. It ended with buried alive, and he yeah. was. It 
it just it was a wasted return by the, for the Undertaker. Scott, yeah, I do remember this. Where I kind of have to laugh when I think of it because I just gone back and I just got back into wrestling not long before this, and it just goes to what I said earlier. You had to take it a bit too far. I can't just say these two people hate each other. Like you could just say, "Oh, Undertaker's injured." No, I had to say he's in a vegetative state. I had to constantly mention that every other minute when talking about the Undertaker. Although the best thing about it, is it did give us that mind the bank moment, which I mentioned on the mind the bank preview show. That is my favourite moment in that cash-in ever, because I was with Vals Kane. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that um, Kane got to finally beat The Undertaker in certain dubious, fa- dubious fashion for two, like, he won it on sale by Spotlight, and then <laughs> Nexus interfered and buried alive, which was merely to bad at fighting him at Mania, which in, in the end went nowhere. Yeah, so in that feud, they had a no-holds-barred, a Hell in a Cell and a Buried Alive match. Um, Stephen, would any of these matches uh, stand out from the rest as being better? I didn't really like this feud at all. I thought it was. I thought it was. I didn't. It's just really bad. All even right until the actual how it ended with the the nexus. What was the point in that? This this. I feel, I feel like I'm being really negative tonight. I, that Charlotte one on Sunday is really angry. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> they had. A, I think it, 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 they had a point at the time. It's just the fact they changed their mind and never followed up on. That's why it seems so weird in hindsight. Though no, it as well, and it takes away a bit for Kane. See the buried alive match. <laughs> If you've ever watched your, your child or a niece or a nephew and you take them to traffic lights or an elevator, it's always, I want to press the button. <laughs> Kane sort of had that attitude because the Nexus threw him into the ground, started pouring dirt on him, and then there was the big... Uh, the digger, yeah. The digger there, and he goes, no, no, he pushes him out the way. No, 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 it's like, I want to push the button. I want to do it. It's my, it's my match. It's or it's my, my podcast. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't think they've had a, a match. I think that was their last uh, sort of feud match. Every other time, you know, it's, they've just come back for the nostalgia effect. You know, the team is the Brothers of Destruction. They came back at Raw 1000. And, but yeah, they haven't had a match uh, since. But it looks like they're both uh, sort of, they're winding down with their careers. Undertaker's on his last few matches. Kane's now a mayor, which is uh, good for him. And, <laughs> but yeah, arguably I'd say it's one of the greatest uh, sibling rivalries uh, in WWE it was rated number one on WWE.com as well I think it I think it is the best mm. greatest yeah. great, great sibling sorry sorry greatest sibling rivalry since me and Russ <laughs> you two are the, the reincarnation of it alright going from uh, some kayfabe brothers to back to some actual brothers in WCW it's the Steiners so we've got Scott not you Scott <laughs> and Rick Steiner now Strack being the um Careful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a lot bigger than you. Yeah. Um, did you used to watch WCW back in the day with the Steiner brothers and uh, their feud? Uh, it was, I watched WCW. It was before the time on Channel 5 and I got to see quite a lot of it. Um, I remember I, I seen WCW for the first time as my granddad and I, said, I looked at him and why is Hulk Hogan in WCW? Why is he not in WWE? And, I, I, and then obviously I know like, they bought all the bigger stars. But then I started watching bits of WCW and seeing like Oh, they've got new guys. Sting. It was like, oh, this guy, brilliant. He's like an ultimate warrior, but he can wrestle. <laughs> um, but I seen the Steiner brothers, and I thought, they're a really good tag team. They're really good, hard-hitting. And then I seen the whole the NWO thing for him and the Outsiders, and then Scott uh, turned on Rick and becoming Big Papa Pump. Um, it was quite interesting, because it was like kind of... It was one of those rivalries where you had just popped out of neighbor. It wasn't like it was built up, or it was getting frustrated with him, or the two were not getting on, or had constant losses. It's just a case of, he just scalped him. And then all of a sudden it's like, hold on, what, what, what are you doing that? Why? What? What? Yeah. And then, boom, it came out with the, the short blonde hair and the 
like the, the chain mail and all that. Yeah. Unco- I, I was going to say the, the growth hormone, but the more recognisable look for Scott Steiner because you see him when he had like the longer, like darker hair. It's just weird when you see him. How he's been like since the late nineties with the shorter hair and. Mm-hmm. Weird to think as well. It seems like when you think of pro wrestling, you think of like, oh, like if you don't watch it, it's like people always think about the eighties and it's like the overly built guys. You forget Scott Steiner was an amateur wrestler. He was a, a championship amateur wrestler. But I think this feud, like Strack says, it was no build up, it just scalps him. Mm-hmm. I think this is even. Uh, for our non Scottish listeners, scalps means just leave him hanging. Scudded. Scudded. Punched. Yeah. Punched, punched in the face. It's <laughs> punched in the face, yeah. Hit with intent. <laughs> uh, so I think this is even weirder just for the simple fact that four years earlier in a Royal Rumble, they were both in the Royal Rumble at the same time and refused to fight each other. Like you just hear the commentators trying, like, frantically trying to cover, like, Scott and Rick know each other so well. This is just the feeling out process. Feeling out process going on a little bit long here. <laughs> it's like Carmella's cash in. Scott, Scott and Rick sizing each other up. And now they're feeling each other up again. A lot of feeling and sizing. Right. A lot of comments there, but I don't think I can say them. Yeah. So, yeah, they were feuding over the tag titles between the Outsiders, Nash and Hall, but also Buff Bagwell. How many of us remember the the infamous feud involving Buff Bagwell and his mother? Judy. The, uh, Judy, you mean yeah. Judy, the pioneer of the women's evolution. Yeah. The only woman ever to win a tag team title in a male-dominated industry. Judy Bagwell for the Hall of Fame, thank you very much. Definitely. Stephen, do you remember the, the WCW feud where basically Scott just refused to tag Rick in during tag title matches? Uh, I remember... Round about the time where Scott Steiner joined the NWO, I think. Was this kind of round about, is this this time as well? This was uh, sort of early 98, yeah, late 97. Yeah, to be honest, it wasn't really a feud in WCW I really paid much attention to because I'm, I'm trying not to be negative again. <laughs> it's okay, we have those days. Uh, Scott Steiner never did anything for me as a wrestler. Yeah, to be honest, I wasn't... As anything. Uh, as a mathematician, he annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> I think Scott Steiner, I think, but watching him when he was like, had the long hair and he was like, like a semi-decent build, he was a really good wrestler, but then the bigger he got, you're watching him going, I wouldn't let that guy give me a heat block. <laughs> Never he <laughs> a, 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 a Steiner, a Steiner driver. He's Steiner driver, yeah. The, the suplex and a pile driver. Yeah. You let him go, no way, no chance. Nope. You see him when he fought in the, for Impact this year, back in April, he looked so, he had the weakest looking clothes, like he moved so slow, it basically tapped him with his arm and he hit the, the Steiner recliner, I wouldn't say it's to his face, but he, he kind of looked like he look, he looked like he had any pressure on it whatsoever and yet he became the tag team champion briefly. Yeah, there's a there's a bit in 2003 as well, it was the the Scott Steiner v test feud for the services of Stacey Keebler, because <laughs> the ruthless aggression era was a, a great time for women's rights. <laughs> He goes, literally, like, he is a professional wrestler who used to do Frankensteiners from the top rope. He is, like, three feet away from Test, and he goes to jump at him and misses him because he's so over-bloated and so, like, it, it's all, it was always a complaint about Triple H running about this era that he had, got to, he had got to such a size where his match quality was not what it was, so he slimmed down, but his Scott just got bigger and bigger and bigger, and it was just, that as he got bigger, the match quality declined, as Strack said. Yeah, it's sort of going back to the sort of tag title sort of feud between the two. I think Scott refused to tag Rick in because I think that was the time he was starting to change in, uh, you know, physically and mentally. I think. Do you think he got the impression that he could just take on anybody himself and he didn't need a tag team partner? Yeah, I think it was the. It's a, it's a tired trope in wrestling. The one tag partner that thinks he's the star and thinks the other one's holding them back, and it's just. 
it's nothing new or nothing special. It was just a case of the 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 company wanted to push Scott Steiner, and Rick Steiner wasn't the guy, so they decided right, we're going with we're going with Scott. Uh, speaking of Scott, yeah. Yeah, I don't really remember much of this too because I wasn't much of a WCW watcher. Although I do I do remember that one clip shortly after they split where. Rick Steiner has a confrontation with Chucky from Child's Play where Chucky <laughs> appears on this the Titantron and argues with him it's just as a cheap plug for the next Child's Play film and that's really all I remember of Rick Steiner which tells you all you need to know about what happened yeah. to him when he split from Scott Sting tagged with Robocop that's enough say the WCW yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah um, just going back to the feud it never re- again it never really went anywhere so that, that's why I never really sort of was invested in it because you know, Scott just sort of moved on to new things, but then uh, because he moved into a partnership with Buff Bagwell, and then but Rick, on the other hand, he was just going through partners like. Uh, the dog. Like, he went there, took the dog face gremlin yeah, gimmick. Yeah, That's so rather insulting. <laughs> some of his partners included Kenny Chaos, Lex Luger, and of course the aforementioned Judy Bagwell. Woo! I think the the point I wanted to bring up is. Um, I think it sort of brought a lot of realism in with the fact that, you know, one brother thinks he's better than the other, he doesn't need them for support. <laughs> and I'm looking at the McLarens as I do so. Do you think that would be a good angle going forward for any other sort of sibling teams? Ross? If done properly, yeah, because as you said, this went nowhere. And I think it was a case of the Steiner brothers had been wrestling for almost 15 years at this point. Yeah. And just nobody said, like, Stephen said Scott Steiner's never really done anything for them. I don't think anyone turns around and goes, Scott Steiner's a singles guy, he's better than a tag guy, he's not, he's... I, I think, you know, if you're going forward, you would have to make sure it's at least one of the people is a star, because we've seen it before in WWE, like, the crime time and prime time players splitting up. Yeah. They weren't developed guys, so they had a few, a, a match at a pay-per-view, and then it just goes nowhere. Yeah, and uh, something you need to address. Yeah, Stephen, with that sort of mentality with a tag feud, uh, one person thinking he's better than the other, do you think that's a good way to sort of create a new sort of singles breakout star from a tag team? Mm, it's worked in the past. Uh, Shawn Michaels and Marta Jannetty and the Rockers, I think it's kind of worked in that way that obviously Shawn thought he was the best one and kind of, but it doesn't always work. Uh, Titus Neil and Dan Young, prime example. Prime. Prime. Ross is right. Depends how they book it. If they book it right, you get a star. If you book it wrong, you get world slides. <laughs> I hate Titus O'Neil. I hate him so or you, much. Or you get Big Cass. Oh, oh. Big Cass. Oh. <laughs> so, Strack, do you think that um, that booking decision would benefit WWE if they were trying to make a single star out of a tag team? See, there's two things I think they need to do if they're ever going to do stuff like that. They need to one think right. We can split both guys up, and they can do equally as good on their own. Because look at Edge and Christian; they were really good as a tag team. Obviously, TLC, the tables matches, other matches, stuff like that. They they had really good matches. But then when they split them up, Christian had a totally different look, and then Edge got a totally different look. And they kind of you didn't look because when Road Dog and Billy Gunn split up, either looked differently, but you still looked and went, "Do the outlaws." And they're no, they're no together anymore. But it's the way you need to kind of think: Can they be on their own? And do the crowd actually get? Can they get behind them to be on their own? Mm-hmm. Well, there, there's a topic to discuss for a later date. Oh, sorry, um, yeah, that's, that uh, what strikes say that hits the nail on the head. It's one of the big criticisms of the of the Roman Reigns push. It was like it was like a three way divorce. And Roman obviously had a better lawyer because he gets to keep the shield gear and the shield music. You know, everyone's like, oh my god, it's cool to see them in the shield gear again. And they're like, Roman's just put on a slightly bulkier vest. <laughs> like, it's, a, it's a vest without a chest protector now. Like, it's it's nothing new. Pretty much. Uh, but yeah, um, 
Again, that could be a topic for another day, but if you want to listen to more of our episodes uh, and other topics, you can listen to our back catalogue. Uh, just make sure you're subscribed to our channel on iTunes, Spotify, and all good Android sites. Any good podcasting site will do. We're also on social media on Facebook. Uh, also on Twitter and Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. If you like what you're hearing, give us a review or a rating, preferably four or five stars. And yep, No, um, no, five stars. If you're going to four, give five. <laughs> well, if you're in Japan, give us uh, seven stars. That'd be magic. But no but five yeah. comments. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's well, because we're an all-male panel and stuff, I think it's time we got some... Uh, some women on board now, so we'll talk about a female. That sounded so wrong. Oh my god! This is why I'm single. That one of the reasons. only reason. Oh. No, but the list of reasons is as long as the. It's a list of Jericho. Wouldn't it funny if I could get that fucking joke out? Yeah, that intro was a bit creepy. Like, let's let's have some women. Let's employ some women. Aye, I suppose we better have one woman. <laughs> we we apologise here at ESSR for the misogynistic comments of Mr. Hockney. He will be dealt with and won't be hosting next week all in special. Okay, Vince. Okay, wait a room. Because he doesn't know half the cult. <laughs> <laughs> he knows Wayne Mysterio. Wait a room. A plug, man. But yeah, the next week we're talking about it's the Bella Twins, Bree and Nikki. Oh, this was awful. Yeah. Wow. So, um, they, their feud never really sort of got off the going, but obviously being twins, I mean, you can't really sort of separate. Uh, I think. I think. We, what we said earlier was we they've got to have a different look and a different and now mm. obviously Nikki Bella is like she's got herself in a fantastic shape uh, she's like a bit more muscular Bree's like a sort of a, a slimmer athletic build and they both get different gear now so it is easy to tell them apart but like the early feuds in 09 it mm-hmm. was it, it's not even as if they had the sense to go at him listen girls could maybe one of you's coming out wearing red and one of you's coming out wearing blue tonight and we can like you know, day with the day with boxing, like, you know, da-da-da, blue trunks, da-da-da, red trunks, so like, you know. So, like, if the Usos split today, how do you really tell them? Yeah, like, the Usos... Oh, one of them. Like, they used to, it used to be that in the day, like, one of them had a small tattoo on his chest and he said, that's how you tell them apart, and then they've got just all uh, tattoos yeah. all over their arms. Yeah, and they've got different tribal tattoos, so... That's quite the expert there, but anyway, <laughs> back, back to the Bella Twins. There's it's, a day one is age. It's just... <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> it is just... I think this is why a lot of people have a problem with the Bellas because Nikki Bella's return in 2016 and her run up to the WrestleMania 33 match, her matches were were great and her her feuds were excellent. I thought she was brilliant. You know, but proved me wrong. Like there's nothing better in wrestling than being proved wrong and seeing that someone is good. Brie has never really done it for me, and I think in the early days before they they started doing Total Divas and Natty started training them a bit more, they weren't exactly up to par because it was. This was the diva era, and they were brought in as the, di- and I think that's why the feud has never clicked. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, you said their they had their early feud in two thousand and nine. They also involved Carlito and Primo and Morrison and Miz, uh, I, but it all it all came about from an apple spitting incident, and it never went anywhere after one match. You, you look at this like that, and you've also got them being on opposite. One on side just between ten, the other side between twenty and twenty. It just sums yeah. up. Women back then, they were just used as props, like, one of them goes with these guys, the other goes with these people, like, they wouldn't do that today, would they? Cough, Alicia Fox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Stephen? Uh, I completely lost my train of thought now. Uh, uh, Ro- again, Ross is Ross on, a, on a roll tonight with us. Uh, there was just no kind of separation with them, and you kind of didn't feel... It's again a case of investment. Invest- I mean, they, were, they were just kind of like, they felt more objective. Objective. Objective, yeah. Yeah, then anything else didn't really feel like 
you could really get behind them. It just kind of they kept. I mean, the team Johnny team terrifying. They just kind of felt like cheerleaders at the end of the day. It wasn't until with the the two thousand and four team feud that they started to really get some character development on them. You kind of felt some sort of sympathy for one or the other. Uh, Again, not Nikki. It was Bree. <laughs> it's a shame about the twenty fourteen because the actual turn itself wasn't that bad. Because she helped Stephanie McMahon get a win, and at that point the Authority were so hated, and oh. Stephanie still is. Mm. I've had that she got helped the Authority win, and just the look on her face, just expressionless, might not have been by choice, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But obviously, um, oh, that was the clear high point of that feud. I mean, yeah. everything else kind of just fell flat after. There's also the bits, the actual feud itself that we talk about. But also, what happened after the feud? It was a case of, um, obviously, we'll talk about it. It's like, Bree just sides with Nikki as if nothing's ever happened. Yeah, well, you know, you just okay. screwed me out of the biggest match of my life. Okay, so yeah, like, that's why it's so disappointing because the initial turn had promised, and then she was gifted by the authority with a title shot. She's been favoured by the heels. And then just her explanations for it and the, the whole growing up Bella segments where she tried to paint it Brie as the heel just, yeah. just fell flat. I think as well this this Stephanie this Stephanie uh, Brie match was just kind of shades of Triple H Daniel Bryan and it was sort of as if the office were going this is what we would have done if we could have got away with it. Yeah, Strack, what's your opinion on the Bella's uh, sort of mini feud? See, I think as a self-defense mechanism, my brain shut down. <laughs> myself yeah. this feud. Probably a wise because move, I just didn't care. I just they were kind of they were there in the WWE. It's like there's so much better talent, female-wise, on the actual roster, and they were just there as like a like oh look we've got twins. You can look but you can't touch. Aye, it's like oh we've got twins, and somebody set up a meme. It's like um. It's the total, I think it was total D or total Bells, whatever, but it's Daniel Bryant standing in the middle of two of them. It's like Daniel Bryant looking confused about one he's married to. He's just like that. <laughs> but it's just when I, I've never, even when they came out with the different gear and they done the Women's Royal Rumble, it's like I really couldn't care less about them. I think your uh, thoughts at that point were echoed by a lot of the fans in Brooklyn on Sunday when they showed them in the crowd and they came out to congratulate Ronda. It was like, Nobody cares about the two of them at that point. Mm-hmm. You maybe maybe care now about Bree now that she's doing this feud. With, she's part of the Daniel Bryan Miz feud. Uh, but again, at that point in time, and when she's with Nikki, it's just didn't. See for SummerSlam, but when they came on the interview thing, though they actually came out live, but when they actually interview, did anybody else hear this? I don't know if it's just me. The crowd did they boo them. They went, oh, right, yeah. I was like, ah, wait a minute, wait, 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 no, these two again. Just, I, Ross, yeah. I think as well that was due to the fact that obviously we had the all women's pay per view coming up. I don't know if WWE have mentioned it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> once or twice. But it is a first time ever. So yeah. Historic. Wait, when is it happening? It's in Uniondale, New York. Yeah. In New York. Yes. Wow. Not Uniondale, not, New York. Not to be confused with Uniondale and Dave's made believe land. But <laughs> I, I think we were all looking forward to. Something we've complained at WrestleMania the past years is part-timers coming in and doing, you know, January and April and then leaving again. I think we were looking forward to the women getting the spotlight. Some, like, obviously, we talked about Stevens Rage about Becky Lynch not getting a, a fair shake. And I think, with the rumours leaking online, that it was going to be Nikki feuding for the women's title. And I think, as well, that this again comes back to why certain people have a problem with them. They are part-timers now, and I think there was too many part-timers already added or rumoured for this card 
that that's, that's why they got that reaction. That, ma- that match is struck. Good match. Ronda Rousey and Nikki Bella. Unless <laughs> <laughs> the, link, the ring collapses, then uh, probably won't live up to the hype. Jesus. <laughs> kind of, just kind of bring it back to this week. The fact that we've all been talking about else, that else kind of sums up why how bad it was. And it can also be summed up, just the terrorists can be summed up with just this phrase, I wish you died in the womb. No, those are not the words Ross put on my birthday card last year. It's <laughs> 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 no, on the t-shirt. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, just, um, just a final point before we move on. Do you think Jerry Springer's inclusion was a step too far? Jesus. No, I think it was summed this up. Oh, sorry, yeah. Scott. Uh, Ross, you want to go first? Sorry, yeah. oh, wait, Scott first. No, I'm pretty yeah. sure it summed up how terrible this was. It was car crash television. Uh, I think as well, uh, we always talk about WWE's lack of pop culture. This was in 2014. Jerry Springer was a big star in the Attitude Era. Maybe that's why they brought him back, but yeah. that, that, that really is just what this feud is. Like, you talk about Carlito and Primo v. Morrison and Miz, you talk about Team Johnny v. Team Teddy. It was just an excuse to get them on the card then. They've always been treated like objects. Mm. So if you... It's like the, the Dolph Ziggler thing, or people are starting to maybe turn on Sami Zayn, because it's like the... Oh, well, they're really good wrestlers, so you know you get a good match. You, you, they don't need to win. Mm-hmm. But after so long of constantly losing... You lose, you lose interest in it, and I think that's that's what this is. Yeah, They've been disrespected for so long, you can't respect it. Yeah, Stephen. Uh, and you're talking about Springer. Could you imagine if Mark Dallas brought in Jeremy Kyle for the coffee shit? Oh, oh, oh that'd be tremendous. Don't, don't give him ideas. <laughs> no, 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 would have actually helped this feud. I know the 30-day slave punishment like, stipulation was stupid, and then Bree helping Nikki for no reason seems to. What would have helped is like. think that Survivor Series. Yeah, here, yeah. I think her. Days as because they get, uh, ended a few days after she won the title. Well, it would have been good if they waited to a few weeks later, and then Brie. It was revealed that Brie was pretending to finally be on Nikki's side again, and then she gets revenge by costing her the title. When whenever like maybe against Paige or or against AJ Lee, I would have held up the fact that she just joined her again with no explanation really. Just yeah, no, I think the WWE writing team should have hired you back then, Scott. I think you'd have done a smashing job with that. But yeah. Um... I've so, just so had one quick point. Yeah, go ahead, Quacky. I bet your fans must have been raging that he had Jeremy, Spring, uh, Jerry Springer, Jeremy Springer. <laughs> Jeremy Springer on his uh, show, and he could have had the Jerry Beads or the pole. Here's <laughs> <laughs> <So laughs> well, the thing for you see that expression what came first, the chicken or the egg? What came first, ECW or Jerry Springer? <laughs> <laughs> Try and work that one out. You look at minus maybe like three or four wrestlers, the the wrestling quality on ECW is about the same as the Jerry Springer show. (laughs) Yeah, okay, so moving away from the Bells, we've got one more family we want to talk about, and I think it's got to be the most dysfunctional family in wrestling today. The McMahons. The McClunes. I was about to say the Stevensons, but you know, Gary and Derek unite to hate you. Second and third respectively, but no, I'm talking about the McMahons. More specifically, Vince against his children, both Shane and Stephanie. Um, Now, I think, you know, obviously Vince being Vince, I think he has to get involved in some way or another with his family members. There was uh, obviously WrestleMania 2000, they had a McMahon in every corner, so that involved all the sort of four main family members. You just think so, sorry. You yeah, think sorry. about the Rock Triple H feud in 2000, you know, the Backlash match, the Judgment Day match, how good those matches were, and then you thought that was going to be a WrestleMania main event for the, the title. It's going to be the end of the McMahon Helmsley regime, you mm-hmm. know. It's going to be The Rock, obviously the biggest star, because Steve Austin was out injured. So we're going to have the biggest star on top, and the biggest heel's going to get top at WrestleMania. Now that's that big show, and uh, <laughs> Mick Foley can't move anymore, but we'll put him there. Linda, you doing anything? <laughs> Shane, Biggie, you coming? I'd may as well just bring Vince in <laughs> <or> then. <laughs> See, that's the thing, I heard this ages ago, it was meant to actually be Chris Jericho yeah, in Mick Foley's place, because Mick was going to retire, they put him in. And I thought, Joseph, I'm actually quite glad 
that kind of happened because the triple threat between Angle, Benoit and Jericho I think is probably one of the best triple threat matches I've ever seen so I was like ah, do you know what I'm happy with that don't care but it just kind of shows the kind of how people would talk about the egos of the big man that they have to be the spotlight yeah. and you kind of think as Vince gets older it's going to die away but then we kind of see Stephanie and Stephanie's face is going to be all over evolution you know she's going to be commentating she's going to be main event she's going to referee every match she's going to she's going to win the women's championship against herself she's after she loses <laughs> no, I think that'll be Ronda she'll tap herself out and win every title on the show yeah. you look at some of the things that Vince you'll go, go back and think that some of the things Vince has done with Shane with Lin, even with Linda and Stephanie like, I think a lot of them had to be his idea. Just, just imagine being related to Vincent Mann, and there must never be a dull moment when he says, "Here," he says, to "His wife, here. How about this? I pretend I've drugged you and put you in a wheelchair as an excuse to make it with this woman who's the same age as our daughter." It's crazy the kind of stuff he came up with. You know, allegedly he actually even proposed an incest angle with Stephanie. Yes. that was the one. Was that the one in two thousand and three? that I quit match, which. It's quite uncomfortable to watch. I think, if I remember rightly, it was not. Yeah, yeah. it was when Stephanie fell pregnant with her first child, and he goes, "What if it was? What if it was me that was the dad?" And I think they all went like it was Triple H, Steph, and Shane all went too far. I was going to say, so turn the fat. You've taken that too far. Yeah, and then <laughs> Vince is, you know, as well know, a very reasonable man. His compromise was to go. <laughs> his compromise was to go. Well, if it can't be me that's the dad, why don't we make it Shane? And then Shane just went. Not a chance am I doing that. You talk about it being behind the times. I mean, this is, this is 10 years before Game of Thrones, so this is them being ahead of the time, really. Yeah. <laughs> Game of Thrones season one. Yay, incest season six. Yay, incest! <laughs> but yeah, they were sort of feuding for various reasons as well, because in 2003, Stephanie was SmackDown general manager. She was actually doing a pretty decent job. Um, and she announced that it was Undertaker was going to face Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship at No Mercy. Vince didn't want that, so that's kind of what led to the I Quit match. Also, the fact that you know Vince was parading around with Sable as well. We also get too much exposure of Zach Gowen. Yeah. Oh yeah. Have, he was on TV far too much. In Is that, that one like a guy that Brock just learned with? That's yeah. right. Yeah. I just stepped out of wrestling that time, but I seen that man. Push him down. Wow. What have I missed? <laughs> Can you imagine if that was aired today? I think the PC police would run wild. I'd have left this slot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, the I Quit match, I think it was just to write Stephanie off telly because, you know, like you said, she was uh, she was pregnant. And I think she was, was she not getting married to Triple H or was that early in the year? No, I think she it was really about this time. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and as a result, Stephanie was left her position as SmackDown GM. Obviously, that went to Paul Heyman. But the other stipulation was that if Vince lost, he'd, be, he'd step down as CEO. So, yeah, that was never going to happen. Yeah, the Vince-Stephanie feud, I think it was... For what we got, I think it was a little bit but short. Yeah, sorry, Steve. You kind of forget that the, the most early part of that feud was in 1999, mm-hmm. where the, the corporate ministry was trying to kidnap Stephanie all the time. Yeah. And it was kind of like, eventually became the fact, obviously Vince was the higher power. And it's, uh, we talk about the things that go through that man's head. See the things that happened to Stephanie in those months? And it turned out, it was your dad mm. who nearly made you marry an, uh, the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. It's like, the, this... What goes on in the man's head? I'd love to see his diaries. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> just the diaries of a madman. those diaries of apparently when Heath Ledger was being the Joker, he wrote diaries as the mind of the Joker. I'm trying to think, what would be crazier, them or Vince McMahon's diaries? I think, Probably Vince's, actually. I think the thing that sums up Vince, it was a, it was a meme talking about the Kardashian family, and it says, do you think the Kardashian family just draw out, like, ideas from a hat just to make the next season a bit bit juicier like unlucky Kim sex tape Kylie teenage pregnancy I think that's how McMahon decides he's like right Steph you're gonna get choked by me in the middle of the ring Linda 
coma. <laughs> <laughs> Just spins up here in the living room. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Ross, because that leads me to our final point. Uh, the build-up to the best WrestleMania in history, the Vince versus Shane feud at WrestleMania 17. What a match. Yeah. yeah. What a match these two put on. Yeah. Shane is very underrated. Well, I say underrated. He puts on some really good matches. Yeah, his punches are horrendous. And I think people, like... There's certain wrestlers where, like, certain moves you just look at and go, my God, you're you're terrible at that move, but good at everything else. Vin- Shane McMahon's punches are horrendous, and I think because it's such a common move, it's knocks a lot more. The match is... It just goes to show how good the match is, that people kind of almost forget at times or how convoluted the story was of the whole Linda thing and Shane standing up and then buying WCW and mm. kayfabe. Obviously, because the match was so good, like you had Shane essentially for the first five minutes, so beats the shit out of his dad and then just Vince just happens to move out the way the table and that's the only reason he gets an advantage. Yeah, see, the, see the pop when Linda gets up? Yeah. Oh my god! Mm. Linda McMahon will never get a pop like that in her life again. Unless she stabs Vince. <laughs> Just <laughs> Caesar. Ah, infamy. <laughs> it's like that feud started all the way back at Armageddon 2000 as well. Linda McMahon has had the same haircut since 1989. <laughs> it's like Bill Clinton. Uh, I think her and Vince McMahon go to the same barber. <laughs> <laughs> they must do, yeah. But yeah, the, the feud started at Armageddon, it involved Foley's role as commissioner. Uh, and then it also involved the sort of very sort of derogatory stuff with Trish Stratus as well. You see, originally though, obviously we had Foley as the the guest ref. Uh, yeah. He turned that down originally because he was upset. We I, I don't know, but like, he said many arguments with Vince, mm. and he says to this day it's his greatest regret not taking a WrestleMania match with Vince McMahon. Mm. Mm. I think it's something we're past that point as well because I don't mm. think you know, no, he's never get back to But yeah, do you think um, one angle I'd like to sort of focus is on? You know Vince's treatment of Trish Stratus. That I don't think that would pass in this day and age by any chance. No, do you think no. of that? Do you think of that strike? It was just, it was really uncomfortable. It's kind of like, see when you've got a gaffer, there's that abuses their power, mm. and you're kind of like, ah, oh, because I'm pretty sure the pay slips that she was getting at the time was probably up there with guys like Triple H and Kurt Angle, and that she's probably getting a hefty pay packet for most of the women on the roster were probably getting like one third of what she was getting paid. But at the same time, it's just like, oh, the, the kiss my ass club and stuff like that. You're just like, oh, I, I don't know. You're watching it, you feel dirty. You're watching it in the shower as you're watching it because you feel that dirty and it's like, oh, it's, it's not coming off. Breach. <laughs> you say it wouldn't fly today. It barely flew then because I'm pretty sure it didn't like when it was broadcast over here. Did they not like edit it? Yeah. Like, it's really edit the Barkley like a dog segment. Yeah. But Ross, yeah. I think as well, you're saying, would that fly today? I think. It, not the bark like a dog, but maybe like the degrading of a manager. But you would have to have it like here, where the the manager gets their comeuppance. You know, like you know, she brought Linda out. She was in on like, the whole thing. You know, she slapped Vince and got to like leather Stephanie, which we all thanked her for because not many people do it today, and it's <laughs> really as frustrating. Unless your name's Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Uh, Stephen. Uh, yeah, it was, it was uncomfortable. It's, it's not nice, it's not, say, it wasn't nice to watch then, and that wasn't the attitude era. You know, some of the things they did, Oh, we just nearly got his dick chopped off. No, no, he did, he did, he got reattached. <laughs> so, Very good penis. Quacky, <laughs> okay. do you, do you remember this feud at all? Get that image you need. Yeah. <laughs> not now. <laughs> you, you just want to erase it from your memory, yeah? Please. <laughs> I think as well, so we talk about, um, when we go back and talk about the invasion angle, mm. we always talk about how that is a missed opportunity. I think something else that's kind of off is Vince is the face and Shane and Stephanie is the heels. Because mm. as, 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 as much as we know they can play heels, 
Going up against Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon always seemed a bit, a bit too yeah. Yeah, but, like even when he was like with The Rock or like in 2009 where he was like making Terry Long give The Undertaker a fair shot against Punk, he always, it, it came across this smarmy, arrogant, he'll not confident face. Mm. Yeah. Uh, just to sort of uh, put an exclamation point on the best quote is when Shane bought WCW from right under Vince's nose and that was the sort of go home show before Wrestlemania and it was the same day that Foley was made the guest referee and it was turned into a street fight so the quote was because dad the deal is finalised with WCW and the name on the contract does say McMahon however the contract reads Shane McMahon that's right I now own WCW how iconic was that moment Steve? oh it was amazing such a good moment one of the best moments in Raw history yeah, Ross? Amazing. And it's, the best thing is, because Shane left and made a fortune elsewhere, mm. Shane could probably buy WWE today if he wanted, and I think that would be amazing. That'd be just a saving grace. For buy, <laughs> buy it for under Vince, don't tell him, then go, Vince, uh, go out and do a promo, eh? <laughs> Scott? <coughs> yeah, it's definitely most iconic, because it was like a McMahon showing up in WCW, like, which I think something you would never would have thought possible back in the day. Strat? I, I watched that live, and honestly, I... I almost passed out because I thought obviously I did watch WCW I watched WWE and I thought I instantly started fantasy booking like oh I have a big have a big time have but then as, as Stephen says the invasion angle was such a letdown there was uh, there was really good matches that did come out of it but there could have been so much more potential mm. DDP was a brilliant performer and they have him get squashed after Undertaker they could negotiate a contract with Sting and Goldberg and it was like there's a lot of things we, they could have done to make this because you had two of the biggest companies going at it, but they just kind of, we're, we're going to look like WWE's always got up upper horn, then we'll, let's well, see in a movie, it's like the, the always lost moment before Survivor Series, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, the good guy wins, and you're like, we all seen that coming. Mm-hmm. We, we all knew it was going to happen. Yeah, it's meant to run the Mania as well, didn't they? They cut Aye, it short. they cut it short. Cut it short Survivor Series, yeah. But yeah, uh, well, thanks guys for all your input. I think that's, uh, hopefully that's give our, give our listeners an insight into many different family feuds. But just before we go, um, what are your guys' favourite uh, sort of family feud within wrestling? It can be across any promotion to be one that we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, we'll start with you, Strack. What did you think is your favourite? It wasn't really that long, but I did really like the matches. It was Young Bucks and TNA. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a few. It wasn't like a, it wasn't a feud though. It was kind of like matches for like a qualify for a number one contender or a tournament type thing. But I, I watched the Young Bucks and TNA when they were obviously called Jeremy Buck and stuff like that, and they were really, really, really good. And I thought. These boys, these boys are going to go somewhere, and look at them now. But I, uh, if you if you can go to YouTube and watch Young Bucks versus each other in TNA, they were really really good matches. Scott, I have a feud that did not go as far as it should have. It could have drawn big money for the WWE. It was in late '96 when the smoking guns split up. <laughs> <laughs> they never got uh, their proper pay per view one on one match they deserved. Yeah. Ross, uh, well, Billy Gunn got what he deserved, so that was that was fine. No, uh, I think. One I'm disappointed in because we did get a match from it, but it was a month before WrestleMania and it was just rushed. It was uh, Goldust versus Cody Rhodes or Stardust at the time. Mm-hmm. I think the Stardust character ran its course. It was pointless. You brought Dusty in for one angle. He didn't do anything, you know. And then the match itself, it was just that Fastlane 2015 really was a, a horrible pay per view, and that was just the crowd were dead. The performers didn't seem motivated. Obviously, Cody came out and said. It wasn't at that time, and it just—it was like something we'd clamoured for for so long. You know, we're rumoured to get it at WrestleMania 28, title versus career, and then it just kept building and building. Like, oh, we're getting it, and it just went nowhere. So mm-hmm. I'd like to 
Because Goldust can still go, we've seen that. I was going to say, because you've seen him against Randy Orton, mm-hmm. and you thought, mm-hmm. Goldust can still go. This yeah. could be actually entertaining. Yeah. I think if we if we bring, if Cody does come back to WWE, I think his first feud should be Goldust retirement feud. Stephen? Uh, the greatest feud of all time has got to be when Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt took on the B team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Rotundas. Oh, the Rotundas, uh, yeah. Was I was going to say, in all seriousness, I was joining them at the spotting guns. I would put in, even though they weren't, they were Keefe Bros, much like Unto and Kane, but the feud during the invasion that uh, Eddie Christian had, and was sadly overshadowed by the fact that it wasn't mean that they had to make Christian join the alliance just because if you were to heal, you had to be in the alliance, and they did have that really good ladder match at No Mercy. Kwaku, yeah. uh, any favourites? Um, well, Nothing has big has happened of it yet because they don't have the match. But I'm gonna move away from America and come closer to home and mention the Coffee Brothers. Mm. Now, just as we're on air, Joe Coffee himself has just tweeted, and exclusive, it's we exclusive there. So well, when we release this, it'll be obviously late and everyone would have seen it. But it seems that. They are going to revisit this feud, and hopefully we will get this match up here in Lovin. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed. What do you mean, fingers crossed? You'll buy another flat in the forehead. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Well, uh, thanks guys for all your input. Uh, for the listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give us a, a like, give us a rating, five stars. If you're in Japan, give us seven stars. But if you want to listen to our back catalogue, we're on all good podcasting sites, including iTunes, Spotify, and all good Android sites. If you want to follow us on social media, we're on Facebook. Uh, we're also on Twitter and Instagram at Suplex Retweet. Um, yep. So uh, next week we'll be discussing the All In Show. Uh, so luckily I'll be as far away from that as possible because uh, <laughs> apparently I'm a WWE mark and apparently. Yeah. Uh, but I forgot to mention I'm also in a pretty fell mood because the charisma vacuum that is Cedric Alexander is still parading around as cruiserweight champion. But we will campaign for a better 205 Live still. Anyway, I've been the King of Kayfabe, David Hockney. Thank you to my panels, uh, Quaku, Strack. Scott Ross and Stephen Justice for Becky (laughs) (laughs) I've seen another six months (laughs) Now let's get off there before Stephen starts another rant about Becky (laughs) Hashtag Justice for Becky I've been David Hockney and we'll see you next time Hey this is professional wrestler Cole Cabana and I'm only assuming that you have just finished listening to my podcast The Art of Wrestling and now you've made the decision to listen to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweets which is a mouthful to say but Not only have I said it, you've said it, you've suplexed, you've ate, you've slept, and now you've retweeted. Enjoy the show.